Hello, and welcome to the One Sealed Letter podcast, where we explore the legacy of letter writing and bring this beautiful art form into the 21st century. I'm your host, Kate Collier, the voice and artist behind this podcast, and Catherine Hastings and Company, our sponsor. Today, we are reading another letter from Beethoven. If you haven't listened to the earlier episode we did on Beethoven, I highly recommend listening to it. It was about his Heiligenstadt Testament, a very moving letter about his hearing loss and how it was affecting his kind of perception of his life direction and his work as an artist. Today's letter, we're looking at a totally different part of his life. We have a love letter. I absolutely love reading different love letters because it gives me a good understanding of how a person thinks about love in their life, um, how they think about it as kind of a longer world worldview, um, whether, for instance, if they believe in immortality. And this letter, um, we don't have the name of the person that he wrote but he did address them as his immortal beloved. So this letter is um, usually called um, Beethoven's immortal beloved letter. I'll read the letter first and then we'll get into some of the backstory and ideas about whom he possibly had been writing. It's written in three parts. Uh, It appears that the letter was written over the course of two days while he was healing from illness in the Czech city of Teplice. The letter starts on the morning of July 6th, and this is 1812. It goes, My angel, my all, my own self, only a few words today, and that too with pencil, with yours. Only till tomorrow is my lodging definitively fixed. What abominable waste of time in such things. Why this deep grief? where necessity speaks. Can our love persist otherwise than through sacrifices, than by not demanding everything? Canst thou change it, that thou art not entirely mine, I not entirely thine? O God, look into beautiful nature and compose your mind to the inevitable. Love demands everything and is quite right, so it is for me with you, for you with me. Only you forget so easily that I must live for you and for me. Were we quite ununited, you would notice this painful feeling as little as I should. We shall probably soon meet. Even today I cannot communicate my remarks to you, which during these days I made about my life. Were our hearts close together, I should probably not make any such remarks. My bosom is full to tell you much. There are moments when I find that speech is nothing at all. Brighten up, remain my true and only treasure, my all, as I to you. The rest the gods must send, what must be for us and shall. Your faithful Ludwig. Second letter, Monday evening, July 6th. You suffer, you, my dearest creature, Just now I perceive that letters must be post first thing early, Mondays, Thursdays, the only days when the post goes from here to K. You suffer, oh, where I am, you are with me, with me and you, I shall arrange that I may live with you, what a life. So without you, pursued by the kindness of people here and there, 
whom I mean to desire to earn just a little as they can. Humanity of man towards man, it pains me, and when I regard myself in connection with the universe, what I am and what he is, whom one calls the greatest, and yet there lies herein, again, the godlike of man. I weep when I think he will probably only receive on Saturday the first news of me, as you too love. Yet I love you stronger, but never hide yourself from me. Good night, as I am taking the waters, I must go to bed. Oh God, so near, so far, it is not a real building of heaven, our love, but as firm too as a citadel of heaven. Third letter. Good morning on 7th July. Even in bed, my ideas yearn towards you, my immortal beloved. Here and there, joyfully, they again sadly await from fate. Whether it will listen to us, I can only live, either altogether with you or not at all. Yes, I have determined to wander about for so long far away until I can fly into your arms and call myself quite at home with you. You can send my soul enveloped by yours into the realms of spirits. Yes, I regret. It must be. You will get over it all the more you know my faithfulness to you. Never another one can own my heart. Never, never. O oh God, why must one go away from what one loves so? And yet my life in W, as it is now, is a miserable life. Your love made me the happiest and unhappiest at the same time. At my actual age, I should need some continuity, sameness of life. Can that exist under our circumstances? Angel, I just hear that the post goes out every day, and I must close, therefore, so that you get the L at once. Be calm, my love. Love me. Be calm. Love me. Today. Yesterday. What longing and tears for you. You, my life, my all. Farewell. Oh, go on, loving me, never doubt the faithfulness of my heart. Of your beloved L, ever thine, ever mine, ever yours. Beethoven wrote this letter in 1812, but it wasn't discovered until after his death in 1827. The letter is sprawled across 10 small pieces of paper written in pencil. We don't know if it was a draft or if it was a letter that he had intended to send or not. It had been hidden in a compartment in his desk at his apartment in Vienna. Because he didn't use the love, the beloved's name, we don't know whom he was actually writing, but there's been a lot of um, theories and speculation about it. There's a 1994 movie titled Immortal Beloved that guessed that the immortal beloved was Johanna von Beethoven, which would have been his sister-in-law. It's very unlikely that it was actually Johanna, in part because just Beethoven's sense of morality wouldn't have had him declare his love to his sister-in-law, but also because their relationship ended up being quite strained. Um, once his brother had died, Johanna and Beethoven had a pretty embittered custody battle over Beethoven's nephew. So scholars have pretty much ruled out that it could have been Johanna von Beethoven. There's also been a lot more research done 
from musicologists, um, people who've even analyzed the paper that these letters were written on. They also went back through his diaries and tried to figure out, okay, where was he located at this time? Where could he have possibly been? The experts decided that he most likely was staying at a stagecoach roadside inn on Monday, July 7th, and that he had left Prague and was en route to Carlsbad in Bohemia. It's a spa town. In the letter, you might remember that I mentioned a place just with the name K, um, just the letter K. He had shortened a few of the place names, just including an uppercase letter. So they assume that he was going from Prague to Carlsbad and was staying at this roadside stagecoach inn. Because of what they've been able to narrow down of where he was located, they've been able to narrow it down to two possible women. Most likely, the woman had been in Prague, and he was writing this letter after leaving her. There's so much passion, and um, he clearly misses her. So it's assumed that he had seen her when he had been in Prague. And the two women that they narrowed it down to, one is Antony Bretano. She was a wealthy heiress. And the other one is Josephine von Brunswick, who was a young widow. He had actually proposed marriage to her at one point in time, but she had declined his proposal for marriage because he was a commoner. The first one, Antony Bretano, could be a real possibility given the time that they had spent together. He had played piano for her. He had even played piano outside of her bedroom. But given that Beethoven had a, a strong moral compass, he probably would not have allowed himself to have an affair with a married woman. Furthermore, um, Antony Bretano's husband was a close friend of Beethoven and also a financial advisor. So pretty unlikely that it would have been her just given the relationship that he had with her husband um, and what they assume to be his moral character. She is, of course, a contender for this. The other person, though, Josephine von Brunswick, at least in my opinion, is probably the most likely. Of course, we're not going to know they had many overlapping social circles. They stayed close. Um, and there were um, letters that they found later in which he called her my angel. So similar um, tone that he had used when talking about Josephine von Brunswick. Um, again, though, because no names were used and this was never sent and we didn't find any other love letters that really confirmed this and he never married a, a mortal beloved um, after this letter was drafted we really don't know if you'd like to learn more about who it could possibly be there's some good biographers um, Maynard Solomon and Jan Swafford both of them believe that the tracks were probably pretty well covered for any affair and so it's unlikely that we would ever find out who this immortal beloved is. I'd love to know what your guesses are, who you think it might be. Also would love to know what parts of the letters you found most beautiful or interesting. The ending of the letter is one that is often quoted, ever thine, ever mine, ever ours. I find that really beautiful. Beethoven 
uses a lot of similar language throughout the letter, even just beginning, my angel, my all, my own self. He describes almost a transformation of himself. The lines between him and his love get blurred. It's them as one unit or he as them or the love he has for this person as his own self. And that is kind of mirrored throughout the letters, which I found really beautiful. I loved in the first letter how he mentioned that if he were near her, he probably would not make such remarks. He mentioned, we are hearts close together. I probably should not make such remarks. I thought that was kind of interesting. That It's almost as though he is more guarded with his emotions when he's in her presence. Is that just that that kind of natural openness to share his feelings is more difficult in person and this is something of reflection where he's able to actually voice it or was there another reason when they were together that he didn't voice what he felt if we think about the possibility of it being the first woman um Antoine Bertano in that case it would make sense that maybe he wouldn't voice how he feels about her the fact that this letter was never sent maybe he's writing this intending on sending it in my opinion too i wonder okay could it be that it was drafted and that he actually wrote a letter and sent it we won't know and again um, the biographers think that the beethoven and his immortal beloved probably covered their tracks pretty well they didn't want us to know so that's kind of a, a question that i have from that first letter of why was it that he felt compelled to write in a way that he wouldn't be in person and then the other one that stuck out to me just from my own personal experience is how he says that it has been both the the greatest and most painful love let me see if I can find the exact wording on it your love made me the happiest and unhappiest at the same time I'm curious if that stuck out with you as well. When I was younger and, you know, falling in love for the first time, I definitely felt a full range of emotions with both the happiest and unhappiest, like such highs when you're with the person, but then these lows where you can't stop thinking about the person when you're not together. I even felt this unhappiness at times of feeling like my mind couldn't be my own because I was thinking about somebody so much. I sent something similar in Beethoven's letter of thinking about her so much that he's writing her three times in a period of two days. He really wants to be with her. There's this clear feeling of suffering in her absence. Uh, interesting though, I you know, especially since his love, we don't know at what level this was fulfilled. Did they have an affair? Or was this just some yearning he had and he actually didn't send a letter that he had drafted? We won't know. Now, you know, being older than when I'd first fallen in love, obviously, I don't see that range of happiest and unhappiest in my love. And with my husband, it's almost like the unhappy periods are really things we weather together and it's not about the person or the absence of the person um, I feel very steady in my myself and not needing that validation or reassurance but then also feel so happy when we are together and you know growing our family and things like that so 
I almost experience Beethoven's writing as more of kind of like a young boy love where there is obsession and it's not necessarily unrequited, but it's unfulfilled. There's distance between them. Knowing his biography, we also know that he didn't marry her. What's left undone or unsaid is hard for us to know. Also, imagining why he kept this letter. He died a little over 10 years, almost 15 years later, but that letter was kept in his desk. What meaning did it have for him? Were these feelings that he still felt, or was it something that he kept almost as a reminder of this period of life when he was so enchanted with this person? I find this letter very beautiful, but it also brings up a lot of questions for me because we just don't know. We don't know who he wrote it to. We don't know what their relationship was like. We don't know if this was the beginning or the end or if this was just a wish that he had and he never actually voiced or indicated how he felt. There is assumption that she felt the same way with some of the things that he'd mentioned, but it just leaves a lot of questions. I haven't seen the movie from 1994, but again, the theory about who the immortal beloved there um, has pretty much been debunked because it's just incredibly unlikely and there are other contenders, particularly when we look at where he was located, leaving Prague, going to Carlsbad. There are others that make more sense. I'm curious to hear from you, though. Were there you know, particular theories that you would find interesting, or if they were to make a remake of this letter, how would you write the story? I really like the idea of it being the second woman that I'd mentioned, Josephine von Brunswick, especially since there is more of a paper trail showing how he felt about her. I also think the class differences would be things that would be really interesting to explore coming hundreds of years later. We think about how famous Beethoven is and how important his music is still today. And to think that somebody didn't think that he was highborn enough for them is just bizarre. Of course, none of us have heard about Josephine von Brunswick until this podcast episode. And so I feel like if it were to be remade into a movie, that would be something kind of interesting to explore of the idea of class and legacy and how it can change over time and also what what possibly Beethoven and this immortal beloved had standing between them that kept them apart or kept them from really fulfilling a, a lifelong happy romance together. So definitely write me a note to let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know what additional questions that you have. Again, there are a lot of unanswered um, parts to this letter, but I also feel like that leaves us some space to bring in our own imagination, find our own inspiration. I will sign off today as Beethoven did in this letter. Ever thine, ever mine, ever ours.